Tonight, we turn once again to the book of Colossians and Colossians chapter 3 to a text that I trust by now is becoming very familiar to you as we have read this the last several Sunday evenings together. We're going to begin our reading at verse 15 of chapter 3 and then read through verse 1 of chapter 4. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 15. What we hear now is God's word. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants fairly, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we have almost uh, finished our series within a series, uh, the series on Christian conduct in the home. And we saw how in this part of Paul's letter to the Colossian church, uh, he is so well-balanced. In talking about Christian conduct, he addresses the wives and he addresses the husbands. He addresses the children. And tonight, he addresses the fathers, the parents. And next time we will see, he also addresses servants and masters. Uh, that will be our last sermon on this mini-series. We will then move on to the final chapter of Colossians, Paul's final instructions, and probably spend uh, two or so sermons in that chapter. We've talked a number of times about how Paul, in this part of his letter, is connecting our theology with our practice. The fact that we know God has to influence how we live. It has to mean something in our lives. And tonight, that's the case with regard to how we raise our children. We're going to talk about godly discipline. And this, too, as everything else we have seen, uh, is rooted, don't forget, in chapter 3, verse 1. Since you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Because of our standing with Christ, we live, we train our children in a particular way. Now, I recognize that tonight this sermon probably is most applicable to those who have young families, uh, but uh, many of these, they are our children, 
they are training our grandchildren uh, by reminding us of what godly discipline looks like. We can come alongside them, helping them in that task, praying for them in that task. We remind ourselves also we are those who are uh, those who stand under discipline. And so we see a picture of God's loving discipline to us as well. Christian conduct in the home, godly discipline. And the first thing we have to notice is that Paul, um, in this section, gives that responsibility to the parents. Verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Discipline is a family responsibility, and it is more particularly a father's responsibility. It is our role as fathers to take the lead in discipline in our homes. Now certainly, father and mother, the parents will talk together about what their discipline will look like, how they will set the standards for their children. But fathers, ultimately, it is your responsibility for how the discipline of your children will be carried out. Now, to be sure, our wives are probably going to be the first ones involved in discipline. Perhaps we are off at work, we're at the office, we're at the shop, wherever it might be, and our wives are home with the children. And if there are discipline matters, there is something proper in the right circumstance about a wife saying, to, his, to, to the children, wait until your father gets home. There is something appropriate about that. Now, there will be, certainly be emergent matters that have to be dealt with right away, but fathers, it is our responsibility. And so, men, recognize that. When you come home from work and you enter the house and you can tell either by the look on your wife's face or on your children's face, that something has gone wrong during the day and there's a discipline matter to be dealt with, the first thing you should do is not plant yourself in front of the television and put on the news. This is not what you're called to at that point. It's not to, to go to your computer and check your email as soon as you get home. Rather, you are to fulfill your obligation. Your obligation as the one who is called to take the lead in a discipline in the home. Discipline is a family matter. And so, uh, as, as fathers, as parents, uh, like anything in our life, if we want to be good at it, we need to have some instruction. Um, Good parenting does not come naturally. Often we are naive about the task of disciplining our children as if it comes natural to us. It may take some instruction. When I um, made the decision uh, to uh, leave the restaurant business and pursue the ministry, um, I went through seven years of instruction to prepare for that task. As parents, we have a task of training our children for some 18, 20 plus years. And it may take some training on our part to be able to do that well. 
training which will certainly come from the Word of God. God has instituted the family, and so he teaches us what a family should look like. Perhaps we would want to undertake a study of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a wonderful book that often talks about the instruction for parents to give to their children. But we turn to God's Word to find out how to raise our kids, not to the latest self-help book, not to the latest TV show about, um, you know, rescue nanny who comes in and raises the children. I hate those shows. I don't know if you've ever seen those shows. When the kids are terrible, the parents call in, you know, rescue nanny. And nanny comes there, nanny 911, I don't know what it's called. Nanny comes in and she begins to train the children. And the reason I don't like those shows is not because it's such a bad thing, but, but she comes in and she bases her instruction on what she thinks is best. Not on any type of, of desire for godliness in the life of the children. That must be our goal. To discipline our children in such a way that they grow in godliness. There are some wonderful books on parenting. Don't just go to the bookstore and say, give me a book on parenting, but search out something solid. I think of an author like Ted Tripp, Shepherding a Child's Heart, something that, that definitely has the godliness of our children in view, perhaps undergoing a study of something like that. Maybe we need to seek advice from others on how to deal with certain discipline issues. And I know, I know, as young parents, oh, we tend to gravitate toward our friends, other young parents, and ask them for help. Uh, I would encourage you not to do that. If you need help in raising your children, you don't, first of all, look to your friends. But look to those who are older in the church, those who have raised their children, and their children are currently walking with the Lord. Their children have married godly spouses, and those children are training their children in the ways of the Lord. Go to that couple and seek out their advice, those who have grown children who are raising godly children. These are the ones we want to turn to. And, and I, I can almost guarantee they will say that our children have turned out well because God is so gracious, because God is so good. And that's absolutely true. But also God gives us instruction for, for providing godly discipline as parents. Discipline is a family responsibility, and particularly the responsibility of fathers, which is why Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so I'm going to suggest tonight um, a couple things by way of uh, godly discipline that will help us not to provoke our children, not to discourage our children. When we think about discipline, there are really two types of discipline. There is corrective discipline and there is instructive discipline. And so for corrective discipline, uh, I have just three things tonight to think about, three, three characteristics of corrective discipline, and uh, all of them start with the letter C. You know I'm not very creative, but tonight I'm a little bit creative. All these, all these start with the letter C. Uh, corrective discipline that will um, not provoke our children or make them discouraged 
Corrective discipline is, first of all, consistent. Discipline which is consistent. We need to be level-headed as we discipline our children. Uh, We must not discipline them out of frustration. You see, the problem with that is our children don't know when the right time to disobey is. They don't know that when we are rested, when we are relaxed, when everything is going well, this is a good time to disobey because we have time to deal with them. But the problem is they don't know that. Our children choose to disobey when the potatoes are boiling over, when the phone is ringing, when there was someone at the door and the dog has just run in with mud on his paws. That's when they disobey. And it's easy for us to respond out of frustration, not just for them, for the the situation around us. Consistent discipline is level-headed. And it may be the case that we say to our children, um, we're going to undergo some discipline, but go to your room now, and I will come in a few minutes. And and allow yourself to be collected, to be level-headed, so you can be consistent as you go in and and provide that discipline for them. Consistent discipline is level-headed. Consistent discipline is loving. It is done with concern for our children's welfare, for for their godliness. A number of times in the Psalms, the psalmist says, O Lord, discipline me not in your anger or your wrath. But we discipline our children because we're concerned about their welfare, about their walk with the Lord. We discipline them consistently when we have their best interests in mind. That's how we avoid provoking them to anger. Consistent discipline has to be lived in our own lives. Now, I'm not talking about specific rules like, you know, be home at this time or whatever it might be, but the the, the fundamentals of discipline, morality, uh, integrity, honesty, These things have to be seen in us as parents if we're going to use them to discipline our children consistently. How easy it is to undermine years of training by our own inconsistency. We've taught our children to be honest, to be honest, to be uh, uh, doing the things the right way. And then we get a phone call and we see on the, on the phone, it's the call from our boss and we know he's going to give us more work to do. And so we say, I'm just not going to answer that right now. Our children see that. And we undermine our consistency because we're not living a disciplined life as parents. Corrective discipline is to be consistent. It is also to be caring. Corrective discipline is caring. And I I thought about the word caring, but I also thought about the same word, maybe the word communication. A caring communication with our children. Which means um, we need to listen to them. Uh, Don't forget, our children are children they don't always foresee the consequences of their actions like an adult would. And maybe, maybe they had the best of intentions in doing something, but it just didn't work out the way that they thought it would. And so we have to care enough 
to listen to them, especially when they're younger. Our little ones just don't see the consequences of their actions. And they might say, oh, mommy, I was trying to do something so special for you, and then it just turned out terrible. So rather than seeing the mess around, listen first. Care enough to listen to our children, to understand why they did what they did. That's for our older children as well. When they come home late, we've told them to be home by 11 o'clock, and it's uh, 1.30, and they walk in the door. Before immediately saying, you're grounded till you're 40 years old, before saying that, wait just a minute. Maybe they were just out being disobedient. But maybe there was a good reason. Something that happened, that they, and their cell phone was dead, and they couldn't call you, whatever it might be. But listen first. Care enough to listen to what they have to say and care enough to talk with them. Again, especially with our little ones, explaining to them why they're being disciplined and the process of discipline. Sitting down with them and saying, you knew what the rule was, didn't you? Yes, I did. And you broke the rule, didn't you? And if they're, you know, contrite, yes, I did. And now there's going to be consequences. Teach our children the concept that actions have consequences. Talk them about that. Too often I think that there's no consequence in life. I can do whatever I want, but teach them as little ones. No, what you do has consequences for how your life is going to go. And that can start when they're one and a half, two, two and a half years old. That's when we start teaching that lesson. We don't wait till they're mid-teens and say, oh, by the way, actions have consequences. But they learn that as little ones because we care enough to talk with them and explain the, the concept. And we remind them that we are those, as parents, who have the same truth. Our actions have consequences. We are those who are under authority. We are under civil authority. We are under work authority. We're under church authority. And if we choose to, to disregard the instructions we are given, we will face the consequences. Uh, tell them that this is nothing special for them. But all of us are under authority. All of us are being disciplined, and at times, correctively. We know what it's like, even as adults, to be disciplined. I think children think that only children are disciplined. We as adults are disciplined as well. Corrective discipline is to be consistent, it is to be caring, and it is to be Christ-like. It is to be Christ-like. That is, it is to be used for the purpose of restoration. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to restore our relationship. Christ came and offered up His life to give us new life, to restore us to the Father. Our discipline is to be Christ-like and restorative. It is not to be simply a set of rules. These are the rules, you can't break them. These are the boundaries, you can't go past them. But these rules, these boundaries are to keep you safe, and if you transgress them, to bring you back. Restore you to fellowship with the family, fellowship with God. 
This is to be the intention of our corrective discipline, to help them see that, that there is a restoration that is possible through Jesus Christ, to help them confess their sins, not just to us, but as we confess our sins to God, they confess their sins to God as well. And just as we receive the promise of the assurance of the forgiveness of all of our sins, that same assurance is for our children. And we teach them that when God has forgiven them, the matter is settled. The matter is done. They never have to fear God will bring it up to them somehow in judgment. Help our children see the restorative work of Jesus Christ. Our discipline is to be Christ-like. It is that Christ-like discipline God continues to exercise today, that, that, that call he makes once again tonight. If we are living in disobedience, if we are living contrary to his ways, his standards, he calls us tonight to correct us. He calls us to hear the call of Jesus Christ, to know that restoration, to leave the sin, to confess the sin, to repent of what we've done, and to embrace the ways of godliness in our lives as children, as adults, as, as parents, as grandparents, as great-grandparents. God comes to us correctively. We pray that he might come gently uh, through his word. But if not, we pray that even, even though it's difficult, that he might come forcefully to bring us back to the path of godliness. Uh, godly discipline is corrective. It is consistent. It is caring. It is Christ-like. There is then also instructive discipline. Not just uh, telling our children what they do wrong, but teaching them what it is to do the right. And we talked about this just last month in our uh, Sunday about Christian education. And I read the text. You don't have to turn to it right now. I read the text from Deuteronomy 6. I'm just going to read that once again as a reminder of the nature of, uh, of instructive discipline. Deuteronomy 6. And these words that I command you today are to be on your heart. You can teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We are to instruct our children all the time, diligently, all the time, in an ongoing way. And we talked about how we, we instruct them both informally and we instruct them formally. Uh, we instruct them informally as we teach them about the glory of God. And we use, we use things around us. Maybe we see a, a beautiful sunset one night and we say to our children, what a glorious sunset. Uh, all the beautiful colors God has given us tonight. And our children who are, who are learning about science and things like that say, well, you know, Dad, uh, the sunset is really because there's pollution in the air and those particles reflect the light. And we say, yeah, that's all true. Okay, that's all true. But think about that. God takes that dirt, that pollution, and he turns it into something beautiful. And that's exactly what he does with us. We are dust. We are dirt. And God, through the work of Jesus Christ, for his glory, turns us into something beautiful. There are many gospel messages around us 
if we simply open our eyes to see them and help our children to open their eyes to see them, to see the glory of God in creation. We teach them informally and we teach them, we instruct them formally. We instruct them through reading of the Bible together at home. We tell the Christian story to them. It's wonderful to do storytelling. When I was growing up um, on, uh, on Wednesday nights, um, my parents, uh, one of them would put us to bed and they would tell us a story, tell us a story. And, and, and they would tell the stories about when they were growing up, mom telling stories about when she was growing up in South Dakota. We'd say, tell the story again. I want to hear the story again. We have to tell our children the story, not only of our family, but the story of the Christian family, that family to which they belong. We tell them about Joseph, and we tell them about Moses, and we tell them about David, and we take this time to instruct them in the Christian faith. They're part of this family. They have to know our history, the stories of the family who's gone before. I know how busy our lives are. I know how difficult that is at times, but I remind you, as I've reminded you many times before, there is a day that is perfectly fit for instructing our children in the family story, and that day is the Lord's Day. If we are too busy every other day of the week, God himself has said, on this day, set aside your regular labor that you can focus on me and on our relationship. And again, fathers, this is our opportunity. Our opportunity to spend time uh, sitting on the couch with our children, telling them the family story. It may mean that we take a little shorter nap on that day. It may mean we don't get to read our magazine or we have to turn off the ball game. But there's nothing more important than training our children in the fear of the Lord, helping them as they come to worship, helping them to listen to the sermon, helping them to take notes on the sermon, and then reviewing those notes when we get back home again. And our children will learn to look forward to that. What child doesn't want to spend time with mom and dad? Just focus time together without them being too busy someplace else and spending time together as a family. We will instruct them through family devotions. Again, I know the busyness of life and how, how time around the dinner table is becoming so, so few and far between, but this is a wonderful time to have devotions together as a family. And that doesn't mean simply uh, reading the Bible and snapping it shut and then putting it on the shelf again. It means helping our children to understand, asking age-appropriate questions about what we just read. Now, that might mean we have to make a few changes um, as we have our, our dinner time together. Uh, there's, there's a rule um, we had to make in our home with our children, a rule I never even imagined when I was growing up in my parents' house. But the rule in our house, in our house around the table, was no texting at the table. Now, I never imagined that rule when I was a kid. There was no text, and nobody had a cell phone. But today, it seems like everybody does. So maybe, maybe the rule is, when we walk to the table, the phone stays on the counter. And if you get a text message, you'll just have to answer them later. 
because this is family time. And this is our time for devotions around the table. Maybe we have to help, help our children in some of those things, to set aside what seems so urgent, but so-and-so is texting me. That's okay. You just tell them, like we all do as parents, when I was growing up, we didn't have texts. You had to make a phone call, and the phone was busy, you know, that type of thing. So we want to instruct our children formally. And, and, that, and that carries over then into the rest of their instruction. Our children have to be raised with God-centered schooling. Now, that can be done in a number of ways. That can be done by sending our children to very good Christian day schools. That can be done by committing to do Christian homeschooling. But we are responsible to see that all of their education is done for the glory of God. And we don't hand our children over to the state for that instruction. Because even though we are so thankful for every Christian who teaches in a public school, we recognize that Christian education is, or is more than just a teacher. It's a curriculum that desires to give glory to God. And that is certainly not the case in the public schools. We don't hand our children over to a progressive and inclusive agenda, which they will hear hammered away at again and again. There is no neutrality in education. They will be directed toward God or they'll be directed away from God. And it's our responsibility to make sure our children are trained in the ways of godliness. That's more than just Sunday. That's those five days that they go to school as well. God-centered schooling. Raising children, godly discipline, is no small task. It's a huge task. A task given to the family, a task given to parents, a task given to fathers. And so it's a task that, like so many, drives us to our knees drives us to pray for God's grace and for His strength. Drives us to our knees when we find we are being harsh and disciplining out of frustration, asking God for forgiveness, and even asking our children for forgiveness, modeling what confession and repentance look like. That discipline is corrective, bringing them back to the path of godliness. That discipline is instructive, teaching them the path of godliness. It's a task which is so huge, we can't begin to enter into it without fervent prayer to our Father in heaven, that He would bless even our frail and feeble efforts, that He would be at work in the hearts of our children, drawing them to Himself, and that He would give us strength in the task to which we have been called, the godly raising of our children. May God help us as parents, as grandparents, as great-grandparents, to do all we can to raise these children in the fear of the Lord. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we love our children so much, and we know that you love them. You love them beyond a love that we can even imagine. For they're not simply our children, they are your children as well. 
Lord God, if we have been negligent as parents, if we have provoked our children to anger, we ask for your forgiveness. If we have discouraged them, we ask you would forgive us. We pray that you would help us to be instructed by your word, to, to fulfill the task that you have given to us, that you would help us as parents and grandparents to, to raise our children, to help them to walk in the paths of righteousness. We know, O oh God, ultimately it is you who will work in their hearts, but you do use means to instruct them, to teach them, and to discipline them. Use us, O oh God, in a way that will be a blessing to our children and in a way that will bring glory to you. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen.